0: and it is one more week in first peter and for the first time in a long time if you're a frozen fan for the first time in forever we have the same beer to drink tonight
1: yeah i'm looking back um not it's counting been a hot minute not counting when steve got us beer yep
0: episode 15 or the corona sunrise episode or the we corona can't. sunrise yeah we don't count that we don't we, we're erasing we, that episode <laughs> that's not part
1: of canon so um <laughs> it looks like the last time we had the same beer was episode 59 wow the uh the 420 strain mango kush
0: Yep, yep. Um, which you i mean you could buy that nationwide so that one was pretty easy to yeah
1: find. uh wild heaven beer company a couple weeks before that with the watermelon emergency drinking beer mm-hmm. that one was good that's the time i froze beer that was when you froze beer. That was amazing. <laughs> oh. We're gonna
0: we to take a little trip down memory lane we here are. for a second. We did
1: really I'm so, like looking back at it. Do you remember when you moved? It was like episode uh, 23 or 24 something like that.
0: Somewhere around there, yeah. Because
1: that's when we started doing some splits, but we did really well for a long time. Yeah. And then just got to the point where we were like, "Yeah, this is too hard." Oh. <laughs> oh well <laughs> so but tonight so, so what happened this week is anthony texted me a picture of the beer he got like he usually does um yep. and we usually do that just to see if we could get at least something similar um mm-hmm. but if you've been listening for any length of time you know that we don't really try hard to do that at all <laughs> but um but he sent me that picture and i was like eh, on a whim i'll just check in the package store that i've been going to to see if i can find it and there it was and i was like Done. This is the easiest trip in here. The guy who works there is probably like, you usually spend twenty minutes in here. What is wrong? So, yeah. um, I do. I will. I'll walk up and down the coolers trying to find yep. something. So, um, so tonight, Anthony has found, and Michael has found the uh, from North Coast Brewing Company, the Brother Thelonious Belgian
0: Style Abbey Ale. Yes, we've never done an Abbey L. We've done some Belgians. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the Abbey L. Is something sp- particular or not, but well, because it's spelled like Abbey Abbey Roads or yeah. like you know, so yeah. Um, the
1: their website says that it's a be- Belgian style strong dark. Um, it's going to be dark mahogany color, nine point four ABV. Getting saucy tonight. Yep, it's twenty seven IBU, so it's kind of in the middle of uh, Anthony's. Mm-hmm. IBU threshold. Actually, it's right at Anthony's IBU threshold. Threshold, yeah, it's in the um, wheelhouse. Let's see here. The, it's won
0: a couple of awards.
1: Yeah, there's some awards. Uh, got silver in the 2006 World Beer Championships in Chicago. Got the gold in 2015 at the European European Beer Star. Mm-hmm. And it looks like he got a platinum award in 2019's Tastings dot com World Beer Championships. So. um I'm excited about this one. I, I'm, it's coming, highly rated. It is. Um, I'm looking at something else while we, before we crack these open. Oh, they have like Brother Thelonious specific merchandise. Oh, do they really? Mm-hmm. I didn't go to the merch page. They've got like a T-shirt and hat. Nice. That's pretty cool. I don't think I'm going to buy it, but that's pretty
0: cool. That's pretty cool.
1: Anyway, so let's um, let's get cracking. We uh, do we say this is. You said this was in California? That yeah, north was, coast is Yeah, the northern
0: north- part of of California, if I remember right, it was Fort Bragg. Uh yeah, Fort Bragg, California. Brewed and bottled in Fort Bragg, California. Okay, so. cool. The the
1: so logo, here we go. the logo has a sperm whale. That's
0: pretty cool. Yeah, it does. Yes, it does. The the tagline on this specific one is Bottled Bebop. Which, if you know anything about Thelonious Monk, he was a pretty famous jazz musician. So,
1: well, I say we crack him open and uh, get his drink to and, and review the same beer for once. So, let's do it. Here we yes. go. Three,
0: two, one, crack. Mmm. to shoot my
1: my cap. Oh, that is a, smells good. That's a strong one right there.
0: Pour's up nice. I still know how to pour beer. I'm getting better. This one has a this one has a really interesting smell to it. Like it all. I almost think it's going to be sweet.
1: I think it's going to be rich,
0: dude. Yeah, I, I, I do think that too.
1: So, oh, tell them the cool thing about this beer that every um,
0: oh yeah, every, every time sale, you buy it. They uh, they contribute to the brewery, contributes to music education. Is it just so, this specific beer? Or is it all um, their beers? I think it might be all of their beers. It might just be this specific one, because this one is actually brewed in conjunction with the Thelonious Monk Estate. Um, so this one says, uh, Brother Thelonius is produced under the licensing agreement with the Thelonious Monk Estate. North Coast Brewing is proud to make a donation from every sale of every bottle uh, and keg of Brother Thelonius Belgian Style okay. Abbey uh, to the jazz education programs of the Monterey Jazz Festival. So there you go. There's there's kind of one specific place that they give it to. So Monterey Jazz Festival. If you're listening to this, then uh, we contributed to your jazz education programs tonight. If they're still happening the- because of COVID. <laughs> With the brother thorns. I actually looked, and they're they're having a a a festival in September in California. So road trips. So, somebody must know something. <laughs> well, let's get to drinking because this. Let's
1: do it. This is gonna. I think this is gonna be good. Yes, it is. I, I smell it. Let's let's roll.
0: Bottoms up. Mm. It's got a really interesting flavor to it. Huh. It's definitely rich. You called that
1: one. What makes you what makes it Belgian?
0: I don't know. We should probably know this kind of stuff since we review beers and stuff. Nah. <laughs> So, here we go. From the Google. Belgian beers are primarily, as opposed to lagers, uh, with a heavy emphasis on malts and a lot of fruity yeast flavors. Okay. Okay. The style of beer is spontaneously fermented, meaning that the wort is open to the air, allowing local yeast and bacteria to take up residence in the beer. Kind of like sourdough bread. They compare it to sourdough bread. Oh, okay. So.
1: I... I... I get it.
0: I know that uh, Belgian beers come from a, um, like, brewing in a monastery. The the style of Belgian beers comes from brewing in monasteries. Right. And that's typically, a lot of times that's how you get higher percentage ABVs, um, is because of the way that they brew them. They end up being stronger, um, which is why monks are awesome, because they make strong beer. But Mm -hmm. anywho. Um, what you got? What do you think about this thing, man? It's uh, it's got an interesting flavor. I, I haven't quite pinned it down yet. Yeah, I'm not sure.
1: I mean, it's it's very good beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I it's it's you would think like a high ABV like that would be hard to be smooth, but it's to mine is surprisingly smooth. Um, mm-hmm. it's I definitely get the malt flavor that. Yeah, you were just talking about um, it's almost caramelly, Maybe maybe that's what yeah. it is. Uh, as far as rating, it goes. I think I'm going to uh, man. Let me take another sip and see here. <laughs> see, it's not overly fizzy. It's not like yeah. super carbonated or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, at least not mine. Um, so I could see this as a an either like this is a, a nicer dinner beer. This isn't like a yeah. hamburger or bratwurst beer. I would say like steak, salmon,
0: yeah,
1: uh, f- f- fancy dinners, <laughs> fancy. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Um, I I know I'm having a hard time get pinpointing the the rating here. I. I'll give it four Luthers, I'll give it a solid four. Uh, Yeah, it's 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 really good. It's you know it's yeah it's pretty. But there's nothing that puts it like over the top as far as pushing it to four and a half or five. Right. Um, But I mean, it's a very good, just kind of beer flavored beer. I haven't had one of those in a while, so Mm -hmm. it's uh it's it's decent.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um i i'm I'm right kind of in the same boat with you um I think for for the flavor, and I, I mean I'll be honest like i I didn't know what to expect because mm-hmm. they don't tell you like, oh, this is a caramelly coffee flavored you know whatever. They just tell you this is the beer, it's a Belgian style, it's an abbey, and it's a dark um so I wasn't sure what to expect, um which may have been good because I didn't really have any expectations. Um, but the flavors you can definitely get the malts. the The kind of one drawback for me is it has a little bit of a bitter aftertaste. Yeah, mm-hmm. but not like the one I had last week the uh, the Hurricane Alley from last week, where it, I mean it was like really bitter. This one just has that that malty bitter flavor, a kind of aftertaste. Um, I don't uh, if if Belgians are supposed to be fruity. This one is definitely not fruity at no, all it is to not to me um so i don't I don't know I mean that's that's just a that was a quick Google search there telling you that that Belgians are fruity, which I mean I think about some of the Belgians that we've had blue moon of course you put oranges in blue moon or you're supposed to I think but uh but most of them do have kind of a light citrusy flavor to them um and so so maybe that's what I was expecting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the flavor of this one is more to me closer to almost like a mix between a stout and a and a blue moon or something like yeah. that. It's it's got the rich dark kind of malty flavor of a stout, whereas uh blue moon would be really light, but it's it's kind of in between those two. Um so all of that to say I, I can't quite get to Four Luthers on this one. I mean, I wish I could give it 3.75, but I know we're you know, we going to stick to half. So I'm going to give this one 3.5 Luthers. Okay. Um, it is, like I said, it is good. Um, I would drink it. I'm not upset that I have, you know, four more, three more left. Um, and so the flavor is good. The texture is good. You're, you are right. It does go down surprisingly easy for such a strong ABV <laughs> beer. Um, a lot of times the higher ABVs end up being thicker, and so you kind of have to drink them a little bit slower. Yeah. Um, but this one this one is uh is is got a type of uh crispness to it that makes it feel light. Yeah. You know, makes it feel a little bit lighter than it actually than it actually is. So yeah. Um three and a half, I, I feel like three and a half is a little weak, but but that's just where I'm gonna be at be at. So three and a half Luther's for me. Mm-hmm. Um on the Thelonius Brother Thelonius Belgian style Abbey ale from uh from North Coast Brewing. So North coast. Good job. Um, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good thing. And, and we're glad that, that we could get the same one on, on uh, brother Thelonious tonight. So
1: yeah, let let me read this review for, from untapped real quick. Maybe this will help this help. This helped me out as I read it. Um, so it's it's a user review from untapped. So, okay. It's a slightly dank cherry aroma with a hint of clove. Flavor Mm -hmm. is quite spicy. Balanced with sweet raisins, plums, and candy sugar. The spice dissipates to leave the flavor of alcohol, dark candied fruit, and caramelized sugar.
0: Yes, all of that, and I, and that to me, like when when you say something is fruity, I immediately it just in my mind I think, tropical like, tropical I think oranges and watermelons and apples and like that's what I think of when I think fruity. But, you know, he's saying he's listing raisins and, and cherry all, and know, plums. cherries. Mm-hmm. Those are fruits that are I mean, they're still fruits, um, but they're not going to have that citrusy style mm-hmm. fruit. And so, yeah, I could see I could see all that stuff that he listed. I could that makes it a fruity beer. So, yeah,
1: and it was funny. You said
0: crispness a second ago. Yeah,
1: I thought you said Christmas. And when you said that, <laughs> I was like, I could kind of see it. This being like a Christmassy, wintry thing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. just based on kind of the flavor profile. Um, so, and then seeing that review kind of gets it the rest of the way to, to winter. Yeah. So yeah, uh, brother Thelonious, four Luthers from Michael, three and a half Luthers from Anthony out of five. And, uh, man, it's kind of nice to do the same beer and not have to do two backgrounds <laughs> and we know exactly like- what each other is experiencing. It's kind of nice. I feel
0: like we went short, man. <laughs> so. Well, Michael, what are we going to do tonight? What are we, we going to keep talking about in First Peter? So tonight we are going to move into
1: chapter 2 of First Peter. We finished up chapter 1 last week. And uh, the main topic of discussion tonight is going to be about living in the light of God's word. So we're going to... Uh, take a short break real quick and we'll be right back to dive into first peter chapter two Ready to uh, dive into chapter two of First Peter? So if you have your Bibles or your phones or your uh, ancient scrolls, whatever you've got, um, <laughs> let's let's break those bad boys out, out and uh, we're going to read tonight. We're going to tackle um, a lot of chapter two. We're going to handle verses one, two, and three. <laughs> um, That's right. And, and and the reason we're breaking this up a little bit more is that the Content is so deep that Mm -hmm. doing large chunks of it, like we attempted to do with the first episode of First Peter, (laughs) um, doesn't do it justice and and doesn't allow us to really get into the meat of what uh, Peter is saying here. So uh, that's why we're breaking up a little bit more. Obviously, that's going to make our study in First Peter a little bit longer, but we think that. Well, I know that Anthony and I are going to get more out of it, and we hope that you, yeah. as a listener, get more out of it as well. So, yeah. um, do you have your Bible? First Peter chapter two, verse one. I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard, and here is what uh, Peter writes: "So rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, desire the pure spiritual milk, so that you may grow by it for your salvation." Since you have tasted that the Lord is good.
0: So Peter's going to come out swinging, man, like yeah. Um, you know, if you remember the end of chapter one, he, he's kind of he's kind of ended, but not really ended. It's like he's, he's finished the first part of his argument mm-hmm. and then and then he moves on to this. So you know, another word you could put right there at the beginning of chapter two is the word therefore. Um, you know, yep. he's we've, saying we've talked about that. Yep. We've talked about that. So we're not going to that. But, you know, looking back at the end of chapter one and then tying it to the beginning of chapter two gives you this one long context of, mm-hmm. of what's actually happening. And, you know, uh, I think it's always a helpful reminder. And I know I have to do this to myself because no matter what Bible I pick up, there's chapter markers and verse markers. Well, when first century Christians would have read this, there was none of that. They read it from beginning to end every time. Right. You know, or the majority of the time. And so, um, you know, they would have read this whole thing coming from the end of chapter 1. All flesh is like grass and all its glory. Uh, like the flower of grass, the grass withers, the flower fails, flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So, put away all mouth, you know. Yeah. So, we're building this on the word of God is what we're building this on. hmm Yeah. You know, and so... As Christians, Peter is telling us we're called to live a holy life, and we're called to live a holy life according to the Word of God.
1: Yeah, and the reason that we can use the Word of God as our foundation for our holy life is because it endures, because it is never changing, because the Word of God that first century Christians had is the same Word of God that we have today. Now, yes, they didn't have it in English. Yes, they didn't have the... Markers and the breaks and the verse verse breaks and chapter breaks, but it's the same Word of God um, yeah. as we know it.
0: So let let's really dive into this. Really, this first verse because this is, there is just there is a ton of meat and there is a ton of meat that is extremely applicable for today's Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're said what was the beginning of yours? You're said to do what? Throw uh, off so
1: so rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit. Mm-hmm hypocrisy envy and slander
0: okay so the ESV which is which is what I'm reading from it says so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander mm-hmm. and um, let's walk through because I love that each each one of our uh, translations has the same words there because the words are important in this in this first verse and mm-hmm. I think it's important for us to to encourage Christians today, think about these words that we're fixing to talk about and think of their, if there's things in your life that you can do differently that will help you put away these things. Yeah. Um, you know, we've gotten political a few times and I'm not going to try to a lot this time, but, you know, as we go through these for the next couple of minutes, think about ways that you can interact with the world around you better by doing some of these things. Mhm. You know, so the first thing the first thing he says is to put away malice. What is tell me what malice is.
1: So one definition of malice, there's going to be a lot of definitions in the next few minutes, so just bear yes, with sir. us. Um so one definition of malice is um it's a broad term for many types of evil. So mm-hmm. evil is anything not good and <laughs> anything that is against, you know, against the word of God. So Peter's reminding the readers here rid yourselves put away all types of evil yeah and anything that is evil ooh, excuse me mm-hmm. anything that's evil get it out of your life because you cannot live a holy life while you're you can't you can't hold hands with Jesus and also hold hands with evil no with the other hand no.
0: so <clears throat> and and you know Uh, another way to to think about this is malice really is an attitude Mm, mm -hmm. it's uh you know it's not just necessarily actions it's an attitude and so you can harbor malice towards people you can harbor you know it's it's almost like hatred yeah um and so so we're we're peter's coming he's coming out swinging he's saying hey Get rid of your malice. Get rid of the way that you mm-hmm. act towards people. Get rid of the evil intentions that you have towards people. Get rid of that. Yeah. Um, and, and, he, and he doesn't say um, put away malice for the people that you agree with. Put away malice for the people who are like you. Put away malice for the people who are directly around you. He says put away all malice. Period. Period. Well, I mean, well, comma, there's a
1: comma, well. but like you could but you could look at all these and Peter could have really done this like rid yourselves of all malice. Period. Clap. Rid <laughs> yourself of all deceit, period. Hypocrisy. If, if this yeah. was
0: if this was a tweet, it would be put away all malice. Yeah. <laughs> Hypocrisy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Put away all malice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It, absolutely we should we should do a peter tweet version we should <laughs> so um all right so we have malice mm-hmm. we we know what malice is let's move on to deceit yeah because so, obviously christians don't struggle with deceit so what is deceit
1: i have a feeling you're either being <laughs> deceitful or facetious um or maybe some of both so um deceit is a weapon uh used by people to manipulate others For their own personal gain. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's really rampant in corporate America, business world. It's somewhat rampant in the church world. I don't know if you're aware of that. Um, That there are people that use, that will say one thing and say one thing in front of thousands of people and do something else behind. I mean, that's deceitful. So, (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's it's any, anytime someone is trying to manipulate someone for their own gain is deceit.
0: Deceitful, yeah. Um, this is something that you see a lot of times in people who are who have narcissistic tendencies, mm-hmm. um, and and theirs is is a deceit that even goes to the point of where they're deceiving themselves uh, of what what is the actual reality, the truth of of you know what's going on around them. Yeah. So, um, deceit's pretty pretty self explanatory. You mm-hmm. got to put that away. Hypocrisy. Yeah. Is going to build on deceits. Uh, yeah. So hypocrisy is pretending to be something that you're not. Yeah. And, um, and do we, obviously we don't do that. Yeah.
1: Was it last week <laughs> that we were talking about like people and people who don't go to church not wanting to go to church because church is full of hypocrites? Was that yeah, last week we, or the week? We've had it, that. We've had that discussion. And yeah, that that's. I don't think that's the same. I have to be careful here. I don't think that's the same thing that Peter is talking about. I think Peter is talking about people who are knowingly being hypocrites. Yeah. Like when when a non-Christian or non-church goer is throwing that label onto the church, Mm -hmm. that's different than what Peter is talking about. Yeah, I think Peter here is saying like the people who are out in front of people very holy and behind closed doors very not, it's, it's, it's very similar to deceit.
0: Yeah, just because somebody labels you a hypocrite does not mean you're a hypocrite, right? Um, and so, you know let let's not let's not hide behind what what the lost world says about the church here, um, but let's do call something out for what it is. And you know, I, I think of Sunday morning, the family that is just screaming their lungs out in the car and then they get out and they're like, "Oh, hello there, brother Timothy. How are you today? Such a fine day in the Lord." And you're like, "Yeah, uh-huh."
1: <laughs> but I saw you cussing each other out at the red light just like <laughs> yeah. half a block down the church down the street from the church. So, who am I talking to?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, when you're when you're one thing with one person and another thing with another person, you are in the height of hypocrisy. Yeah. And just because you can point out hypocrisy in other people doesn't mean you're immune from hypocrisy either, right? Um, and so it's a constant checking of yourself mm-hmm. um, that says, "Am I? Am I walking the walk? Am I being consistent in what the Bible teaches me to say?" Yeah, uh, and you know, to be fair, there are areas where the church is hypocritical and deserves to be called out by the world. You know, we we love to. Champion um, the pro-life cause and 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 our fight against abortion, and that's a wonderful cause, and we should champion that. But you know what? We should also take very seriously and very earnestly the immigrant and the migrant and the refugee situation mm-hmm. as well, yeah. and not just demand that that walls be built and you know borders be closed. And you know, uh, I, I think there's a way to have compassion and still have good immigration. But but it's uh, it's also not as easy as as in and I'll flip this on the other side as well. The the other side of the abortion say, oh, we should allow abortion, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then they just want to give a free reign to immigrants and and all that. And they don't want to get you know, there's no checks and balances on either side of of these arguments. Um, And everything is uh, is mutually exclusive. Yeah. You know, they make it.
1: Yeah, I think there are two things I want to I want to touch on real quick. One, mm-hmm. um, I think the majority of people are more in the middle on most issues than is that you would believe. Yes. Um, I, the the but the people who are on the extremes are always going to be the loudest. The people that yep. are more in the middle are a little more uh, um,
0: passive. Maybe may, might be the word. But well, there's there's one thing I've learned about people in the middle. Mm-hmm. They typically have their time occupied by more important things. True. Yeah. Very like true jobs and families and not having to no monitor whether,
1: a Twitter account.
0: Exactly. <laughs> whether you're a you know you lean to the left or you lean to the right, wherever you fall on that spectrum. <laughs> mm-hmm. The closer you are to the center, the more of an actual person you actually are. Yeah. The the thing that I've seen is Very much is agreed. the people who are on the fringes of both spectrums, both sides of the spectrum, are the people who live in their mom's basement on both sides of the spectrum. Right. And so yeah, and I'll throw that. out Yeah.
1: There. And then the other thing I wanted to touch on is we were talking about like the shouting match hypocrites in quotation marks yeah. in church, or, you know, on the way to church or whatever. Um, I'm not saying that if you're a Christian and you have a shouting match on the way to church, you're, you're, you're a hypocrite. (laughs) I'm just saying when you get there, you know, maybe don't act like it, you know, I I feel like, and maybe this is like a, a wishful thing for me to to want, but like, I wish we were comfortable enough when somebody asked us, how are things, you know, how are you doing today? And if you had just had like a huge fight with your wife on the way to church or your kids were, you know, Mm -hmm tearing up the house before you got in the car and you're just like super stressed about like, I wish we could just be open and be like, you know what, man, life sucks right now. (laughs) Like, like I I wish there was, but there's, you know, there's not really any room for vulnerability. No, because of the go, go, go. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, we even get it in church. Sometimes when you get there, you Mm got to take your kids to the, to the nursery. you got to take your kids to the children's ministry, whatever. You got to get back around to the, to the worship center yeah. And everything is so, you know, actually taking time to be vulnerable is really challenging. So yes. like, it's okay to not be okay. I've, I've heard that said, <laughs> like, I, I'm married to a counselor. I've heard that said probably a thousand times that it's okay to not be okay. And, yeah. and as believers, you know, if we were at a place where we had the community to say that mm-hmm. to somebody else, like, Hey, not Okay. Things are rough, like, like whatever, whatever it is, I feel like we could have much more honest, um, interactions with each other. Yeah.
0: It's, it's like our community would become authentic at that point. So we've moved from, from hypocrisy and now we move into jealousy. Um, jealousy is concern for yourself. That is greater than the concern for the welfare, welfare of others. Mm -hmm. You're more concerned about yourself. Basically, jealousy is a two-year-old child, right? You know, two-year-old children don't understand anything realistically outside of their own little bubble. Yeah. That's why they can't share. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I have a... Well, when this releases, he'll be three, but my son is in that stage where he either wants... He wants what he wants, and if he doesn't get it, he throws a fit. Um, And... Or he doesn't, like, if... We ask him to do something and he doesn't, and we do it. He freaks out. Like, it's very, he's it's very, mm-hmm. like, if you've had children, you understand this. It's very me focused. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it starts as soon, much earlier than that, even. Like, you can start seeing it pretty early if you're looking yeah. for it. But yeah, you're right. It's very me centric.
0: Yes. That's what jealousy is. Yep. And then the last one is slander. And, no, nobody in the church has a problem with slander, especially, backbiting, es- gossip. Especially sweet
1: <laughs> Southern Baptist ladies.
0: Bless your heart.
1: <laughs> Bless his heart is almost immediately, almost always immediately preceding or succeeding something bad about somebody else. Yeah.
0: Or, or my favorite, we should pray for her. Dear God, I pray that you would take that Jezebel and... you're <laughs> You know, and they proceed to tell yeah. all the dirty laundry while yeah. they're praying for her. Yeah,
1: Sla- slander. I feel like has slander snuck its way in, snaked its way into the churches in the way of of prayer requests.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And prayer, people took that as their forum to like air the laundry of people of yeah somebody else.
0: I'll I'll throw a controversial statement out there because I'm good at that. No, you if- never. <laughs> If churches were half as worried about slander as they were about their people drinking alcohol, we'd probably have a lot healthier churches. Just going to throw that out there. Hey, now. Um, so let's move on then. Uh, and tonight's been, um, tonight's been really uh, interesting. It's <laughs> at
1: 9.8 ABV, man.
0: It's got to be. It hey, is what it is. Um,
1: so. I don't know if you're aware, but we've made it like, a quarter of the way down our notes page, so
0: <laughs> we're gonna have a two-hour episode tonight. No, I'm not. We're we're gonna start moving pretty quick here as we as we move through our notes. But th- those are important to talk about because that really is gonna set the tone for for the rest of chapter two for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I, I, you know, I I think it was good to spend a little bit of time on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think when we look at those things and when we really ask God, God, show me where I've got these these characteristics in my life. Mm-hmm. Show me where I can get rid of these things. We become people who are much more aware of the people who are around you. And 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 uh when you get that you have this idea or you have this brotherly love that we've talked about mm-hmm. in, in chapter 1, you have this this concept of what brotherly love actually is. It's caring for people, it's putting other people's needs before you. It's um you know, it, it's genuinely wanting to learn from your brother, from your sister so that you can sharpen each other. Yeah. It's, you know, it's
1: actually praying for them when you say they're going that you're going to yeah. pray for them or if they ask you for say it. You're gonna. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've heard like a lot of preachers have said, you know, when somebody asks, can you pray for me about this specific thing? A lot of mm-hmm. pastors will stop with, will stop and pray right there because yeah. they know if they don't do it, then they're not going to do it. Yeah. Um, and is it inconvenient? It can be, but if yeah. we are wanting to have the um, tight knit um, relationships with other believers that we've been talking about, if we want to show brotherly love to other people, that may be what it takes. Like yeah. what I'm, what I was doing is, is still important, but what I'm, this interaction I'm having with you right now, where you just asked for prayer,
0: is just as important or more. Yeah, yeah. So, it's the most important thing. Yeah. And and what that does is that encourages discipleship, uh-huh. which moves us in into what Peter talks about in in chat, or in verse two, where he says, "Like newborn infants, long for this pure spiritual milk, that it may or that by it you may grow up into salvation." Uh-huh. So through this through this what we're talking about, putting away all of these things. You're going to grow. You're going to be discipled naturally. Yeah. It's going to lead to a process uh, of this. And so Peter here is is commenting on the spiritual maturity of his readers. And it's it's really kind of a a a jab almost. Mm-hmm. But but he's it's not so much a jab as it is a this is where you are. And and sometimes you need to look at somebody and say, this is where you are. Let's help move you along. Yeah, and so in this context, the milk what what Peter is talking about milk is something that we should seek after. We should long for it like nourishment because yeah. that's what we're going to grow up. And and if you're familiar with the letters of Paul, Paul says, "Hey, when you're young, you you take milk. Yeah, but when you're when you grow up, you put away the milk and you and you get some meat. You know, yeah. you put something hearty on your plate. Right. And so." This is something that Scripture talks about. I'm just going to list a couple of verses. I'm not going to read these, but Psalm 42:1, Psalm 84:2. All of these verses talk about growing in your in your faith, learning and growing in your faith. And and um, I'm I'm probably going to mention this book next week too. But a book that you can that you can read on this subject, that the subject of discipleship. Is the cost of discipleship by a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer mm-hmm. and I'm just going to leave it at that right now but but uh, I'll talk a little bit more about yeah. it next week because I know it's in my notes for next week because I remember writing it in the notes but um so what is what is spiritual milk you know what what are we longing for when we're longing for spiritual milk
1: yeah, so there's basically two characteristics of spiritual milk um the first is that it's pure and pure is just free from all impurities um Second Timothy mm-hmm. three sixteen is um, says that all scriptures inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Um, and then verse seventeen says, "So that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work." So, yeah. you know, when we're seeking, when we're seeking the spiritual milk, when we're seeking the the Word of God and discipleship, we are um, being taught. We're being rebuked. We're being corrected. We're being trained in righteousness, so that we may be complete um, and 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 ready to do the work of God. Um, And and then the the second thing that spiritual milk is is uh, spiritual. (laughs) So that's that's a that's a redundancy, but but I think it's it's, it is important to touch on um, reasonable. This is reasonable figurative language. Um, It's the same word used in Romans twelve one to describe our spiritual act of worship. Um, So, uh, Robert Mount said that uh, if you deprive a Christian of the word of God and his life will shrivel and dry up like an unwatered plant. And so, if you don't have this, if you don't have the milk and you've cut the spiritual out, like, you as a believer, you're going to dry up. You're going to be all withering. Yeah.
0: And and when we're talking about spiritual milk, I mean just so just so we're clear on the context of what's going on here, when we're talking about spiritual milk, we're talking about God's word. Mm-hmm. You know, God's word is is shallow enough that the newest Christian will not drown, but it's deep enough that the deepest theologian will never reach the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can pick your favorite theologian, and and even that theologian will tell you, man, I I, I don't know it all, I don't know everything, and You've got two thousand years of theologians telling you that, and they're all building. Uh, you know, you you've they're they're finding new ways. They're going to deeper depths, and and all of this. So, when when we're talking about spiritual movement, we're talking about the Word of God. Yeah, and and the Word of God here is contextually a part of this passage, but the word of god is also this life-giving and that's what that's what uh second timothy 3:16 kind of focuses on it's this life-giving word that enables christians to grow into salvation when when second timothy 3:16 says it's, it's capable of rebuke and teaching that's what it means it's growing you're growing you're constantly it's challenging you it it hurts sometimes it hurts sometimes it feels good but the whole process and if you've ever grown up you know they, they have these things called growing pains, and, and it hurts to grow up sometimes because your body is stretching and your body is going to new things. But when it gets through with that, that portion of the growth, your body's going to be bigger, and it's going to be stronger, and it's going to be more equipped to carry you as an adult. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's, you know, the, there's that parallel, that, that metaphor of physical growth and spiritual growth. We're gonna be doing this all together. And so um the word of God is this life-giving thing and it and it feeds us and it grows us spiritually, gives us spiritual nourishment so that we can be more consistent with scriptural teachings. Yeah. Is that yep? We following along here. Um so so we've got spiritual merit, we know it's God's word, and then um kind of kind of to move into verse three here. Peter tells us that uh, that we should indeed taste and see, or as if we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Mm-hmm. Is that what it says? Yeah, taste and see that the Lord is good. So this is a this is a really interesting part right here because this is a direct reference to Psalm thirty four. Yeah, I'm getting. And it. And yeah. if you've ever read Psalm thirty four before, um, I, number one, I would encourage you to go read it. If you have not read it, go read it because. There's there's a lot of meat there in Psalm 34, but he pulls from 34.8 right here specifically, mm-hmm. and he says that you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And the more that you dive into God's Word, the more that you learn, you're going to taste and see that the Lord is good, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be this, that you're going to have this amazing, happy epiphany about everything, and everything's going to be great and glorious and wonderful. Because... When you taste and see that the Lord is good, what you're really doing is you're seeing how bad you are. Yeah. And so, when you put those two in contrast, you get this this theological laundry list that we're we are not good and God is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and we need the spiritual growth that only comes through the Word of God and by the goodness of God. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: I was just going to read verse uh, Psalm thirty four eight um, for con- for context. Um, read
0: seven and eight together.
1: Okay, so I've got I've got the ESV pulled up, and it verse seven and eight of Psalm thirty four says that the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Um, the reason I read from the ESV is because the Holman Christian Standard says happy is the man takes refuge in him. Um, and I wanted to differentiate the happiness and blessed because mm-hmm. our idea of happiness is not God's idea of happiness. Yeah. And, and our idea of joy is not should be, but is yeah. often not God's idea of joy. Yeah. Um, so bless is a much better term to describe what happens when we take refuge in God, when we taste and see that he is good. Um, yeah. Because we have, I mean, We have seen the goodness of God. Like I've seen the goodness Mm. of God in my life, you've seen the goodness of God in yours. Um, and and if you have seen God work miracles, it's it should not be a surprise when he does it again. It shouldn't be a surprise when he keeps his promises. Um, but you know, but how but more so we can put our full trust into Jesus, yeah, because he has proven himself time and time again.
0: Yes. Yes, he has. So, and it's, it's, so I want to hit something that's, that's a little bit off topic here for just a second, but I'm really glad that you read from the, the HCSB and the ESV because Mm -hmm. I want to encourage somebody. And, and if you've um, I think we've mentioned them before, but there is, I actually listened to the last episode today um, there's a podcast called the recovering fundamentalist podcast mm-hmm. I, I am not I don't claim to be a recovering fundamentalist I was I wasn't raised in fundamentalism uh, those three guys were um, and and I've really been intrigued and, and enjoyed listening to their podcast just to hear that that kind of that perspective but they had a guy on for the last four weeks um, who has talked about the King James only controversy and the King James only um Kind of perspective that a lot of uh, independent fundamental, especially IFB, independent fundamental Baptist churches carry, and and they talked about the importance of different English translations because they can they can really give you a more widespread understanding of what scripture, what the Hebrew and the Greek actually said. Mm -hmm. Instead of focusing on one specific English translation, you know, the the King James only folks like to focus on the King James only. So, but, you know, the HCSB says happy where the ESV says taste and see, you know, it it says, uh, what was the difference between them? So the back half
1: of verse eight in the HCSB said, uh, happy is the man who takes refuge in the Lord And the ESV says, blessed is the man who takes refuge in the Lord. Yeah.
0: And so, you know, but I I understand why the HCSB translated it happy. And I understand why the ESV translated it blessed. Mm -hmm. And and the more that you learn about these things, and and really the more that you learn about the English language, you'll learn that, you know, happy didn't always mean, oh, I'm just a smiley person, you know. it, It carried a different context in different times. And so because the English language changes, we update our our translations, we change our translations, and all this kind of stuff. Um, But when you really do a study and when you look at multiple translations, you'll see it worded differently, and you'll say, well, I wonder why it says this and why it says that. Right. And really and truly, happy and blessed are the same word. They're, They're a Hebrew word because a lot of Hebrew words can carry multiple English words together. Right. You know, when you say that I'm happy, well, that just means I'm in, a, I'm in a right frame of mind. I'm in a frame of mind that, that is focused on the good parts of life. Mm-hmm. That, that's also going to be a blessed person because a blessed person says, man, I'm, a, I'm looking at this thing, and I'm seeing that this is a blessing from God. It doesn't have to be good, but it's a blessing from God. Yeah, This thing that has been put in my whether it's a struggle, whether it's a, a blessing— you know, as we think, um, it's a good thing from God, and so happiness is this mentality that we can that we can build in ourselves, not by our own work, but by the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. We can build in ourselves that says, "No matter what comes my way," you know, we can be like Job, whether good or bad. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The yeah. Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. That to me is a happy. Mentality, mm-hmm. and so, so I just that was completely off the subject of what we were talking about. <laughs> no, but it's, it
1: was good, and it's not to say like, it's not to say I purposely like chose to read from the ESV because the HCSB said something different. But I right. wanted to differentiate between the two, and remember what Second Timothy three sixteen says. We we read it earlier. All Scripture is inspired by God, mm-hmm. regardless of the translation. um Yeah, now got to be a little bit careful there because you can get into the nuance of translations and paraphrases and then like yeah. offshoots of like, but even like I would never preach or study from the message Bible, but if you're having a hard time understanding something, the message Bible is a great resource. There's nothing yeah. wrong with it. Um, yeah. If you want to get deeper then there's obviously other, other versions to go to. Um, but it you know, to get better understanding of what scripture is saying reading from different translations or paraphrases or finding a commentary or, or whatever, like, and I know commentaries yeah. aren't inspired by God. I'm aware of that, <laughs> but like just finding the, finding something to help you understand God's word better yeah. is never going to be a bad thing. No, because it's, it, not. Because it's always going to push you toward being more like Jesus. Yes. Yes.
0: And, and I, I'll tell you what, um, one, one of the things, I, the episode that I was listening to today was talking about multiple English translations and using multiple English translations. And that's crazy. And so, you know, they, but they made the joke, or they said this guy made a joke one time. He's like, you know, what, what translation of the Bible is a good translation? And he's like, a red translation. He's like, what, what are you talking about, a red translation? Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, R-E-A-D, a red, one that has been read. Yeah. That is the good translation of the Bible. And, and so if you struggle reading the ESV or, you know, one of the more kind of literal— and and, and I'll, I'll give it to people. The ESV is not for everybody. It's my personal favorite, but but it's not for everybody. And so find the translation that works for you. Find the translation that, that helps you understand don't be afraid to read other ones so that you get a better perspective. Don't don't just rely on that one translation. Mm-hmm. Um, but but there's a there is a quote from Edmund Clowney that, that I, I put in the notes that kind of sums up all of this excellently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I didn't I hadn't put it together until we had just been talking about it, and then I read this and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is great. So <laughs> this quote says, The one or those who read the word of God and surely those who teach it must never forget why the Word is given, and whom it reveals. The Word shows us that the Lord is good. His words are sweeter than honey to our taste, because in them the Lord gives himself to us. And that's from Edmund Clowney. And you, you can't find a better description of the Word of God. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the encouragement here is go find a Bible that you can understand, that you can understand what it means. I would encourage you, whatever version you get, get a study version of it because that's going to give you some of those extra notes. Mm-hmm. It's going to help you digest the Word of God. As you get to the meat, you got to digest it. And it's, you know, it gets harder and it gets more difficult to do these things. But but continue on. Disciple yourself, yep. you know, or, or have someone disciple you. When you don't understand something, when something doesn't make sense, find another Christian uh, and say, hey, can you help me understand this? Yeah. Um, and so, but all of this is built on the Word of God. Yeah, which you know we're coming out of chapter one into chapter two. All of this context is built on the Word of God. So, just want to leave you with that encouragement. Uh, any any more additions to to our discussion tonight? Well,
1: the only thing I was going to say is, if it encourages you at all, you will never get there.
0: That's true. You'll <laughs>
1: never you'll never fully understand all of Scripture until you get to heaven so that's right i mean the, the only thing you can do is keep diving in and looking and i mean i feel like i've read passages for 10 15 years now and mm-hmm. get something new out of them all the time or stuff yep. that i either stuff i forget or stuff i've never seen before i'm like yeah how have i miss this so you know god is always going to be re- revealing himself anew mm-hmm. to you and your responsibility is to long after it like an infant longs after milk. That's right. So.
0: Well, there you go. There's a, there's the start of 1 Peter chapter 2. I can't believe um, we just
1: talked about three verses for that long.
0: <laughs> I, I knew it would be there because I, I remember when when uh, teaching through this, it was, it was, I, I was thinking, oh, I'll just do one through 10 and then I started diving into it and I was like, mm, nope, not doing that. <laughs> so, uh. Well, Michael, if they want to reach us on social media platforms, where would they do that? You can find us
1: on Instagram at bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at beersandbiblep1. You can find us on Facebook by searching uh, Beers and Bible podcasts, And then you can also email us at podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Any questions you have about anything we've been discussing, or any beer suggestions that you think we can one or both of us can get our hands on, we'd love to review it on the podcast. And who knows, maybe we'd uh, give you a shout out
0: or something. So, um, there is one. There's one that has been recommended to me uh, from a friend of mine. It's called the Mississippi Fire Ant. Okay. and I have looked for it and I cannot find it I'm, I'm going to try to find it I've looked for it and can't find it yet maybe by the time this comes out I'll have actually found it and we will have already reviewed it so I'm looking for Mississippi Fire Ant which I should be able to find because I'm in South Alabama but alas there we go currently my
1: process is go to the package store and just find something so
0: <laughs> just wander around and see I you do see something. I really
1: do so <laughs> until next week we hope that you um enjoy a good a good beer and uh get into the bible really would encourage you to to start somewhere even if it's just in proverbs or if you want to jump in here with first peter with us we'd love to have you along for the ride so
0: that's right well until next week we hope your beer stays cold we hope your bible stays open and we will see you later peace out